0: This is the Unstoppable Yes You podcast, Gifted with Potential series. I'm your host, Curlis Phillips. In this series, we share personal stories of struggles and triumph as a source of inspiration for teens and young adults. In our debut series, Gifted with Potential, we bring our listeners personal stories of individuals who have experienced adversities at an early age in life. These are stories many of you can relate to. Our guests did not let their adversities define them, showing us what's possible when we live to our potential. Today, I'm speaking with Carol Warner of St. Kitts. The third of seven children, Carol and her siblings were largely raised by their maternal grandmother, Miss Allen. Miss Allen showed Carol how to survive and thrive. When Carol moved to New York after high school, became a single mom and later lost her job, her survival skills kicked in. Giving her son a better life would serve as her main motivator. In this episode, Carol shares a story of determination as she made a comeback after a major setback. Welcome, Carol. Hello. So you and your siblings were raised
1: by your grandmother. Where were your parents at the time? When I was four years old, my mother and father left St. Kitts and went on to pursue the American dream. My dad moved to St. Thomas, and then my mom went to Puerto Rico. And, you know, they went there so that they would be able to provide for us. They left me and my siblings with my maternal grandmother, who was a single parent and was still raising her own children who were still minors. So, how did that make you feel? A part of me. You know, I missed having a mommy and a daddy. You know, my grandmother was very strict. She was still raising her own children. So I believe raising six children along with hers was quite overwhelming for her. And what did she do for a living? So my grandmother worked very hard. Um, I remember her cooking. Um, She was a cook at a hotel. And at one point, I remember her working at an ice cream parlor. We would go down there and she would give us ice creams. Um, eventually, my grandmother went on to do her own thing. She made lots of homemade treats to sell and was well known by high school students and you know people of all ages because they loved coming to the house and buying the treats that she made. What type of treats did she make? She made things like fud. She made peanut brittle. She made popcorn. Um, she has sold, you know, candies that were ready-made, but she was well-known for the popcorn, fudge, and peanut Brickle. Ah, sounds yummy. Yes, it was.
0: Did your parents provide uh, your grandmother with financial support while they were abroad?
1: Yes, we received barrels with clothing and and food for at least, I I would say maybe twice a year from my mom. I remember Easter and Christmas, we would always have, you know, new clothing, lots of candies and all kinds of different things. My dad was living in St. Thomas where he worked for the U.S. government. Uh, My dad became ill at one point, he was unable to work, so he received Social Security. Um, due to his illness, my my siblings and I also received financial support um, from the Social Security. This money, you know, uh, allowed me to attend a private high school. I remember I, my grandmother asked me, would you like to go to Convent High School? And I said yes, and uh, she paid for it. So, you know, that was a good thing for me.
0: And your mom at some point moved from Puerto Rico to New York. So how often did you see her during that time?
1: I visited her three times. And the third time I arrived here at 18 years old and I was fascinated with New York and I wanted to stay. So uh, she allowed me to stay. I think at that time, my grandmother, I think it was only... Two of my siblings were still in St. Kitts along with myself and I left and so that left two siblings in St. Kitts with my grandmother.
0: And what about New York fascinated you drew you
1: to wanting to relocate to New York? So this was back in 1986 and I remember being intrigued by hip hop, Eric B and Rakim, my two two of my sisters were already here and so you know, they were already acclimated to the place, their friends, Times Square. It was just exciting to live in New York. And of course, I was 18. School was over. There was no more school for me, you know. What were your plans after you moved to New York permanently? I really didn't have any plans in terms of um, I wanted I know I wanted to go back to school. That was something important to me. But honestly, at the time, I did not have a green card. So I literally moved here Illegally, without any documents, but back then things were simpler. I had a social security, so I got a small job at a local drugstore. And um, working there, I started out like as a cashier, and I was always very good with numbers. I believe I got that from my dad, and I was promoted to bookkeeper at the time. So I was the bookkeeper at a a chain of drugstores, but I was stationed in one store and. While I worked at twenty-four, I became pregnant with my son, and I was a single mom basically.
0: Did you receive any type of support from your son's father?
1: None whatsoever. Um it was it was a struggle, I have to say. I received no financial support from him. And I remember I got let go from my, my job because they sold the stores to a bigger chain, Dwayne Reed at the time. And so they had no need for a bookkeeper. Dwayne Reed was this huge chain that ate up my, my little store. And so I was demoted to a cashier and I was eventually let go. I remember the day clearly it was back in 2000 and I went to D.C. for Carnival, and I was told by the manager when I came back that I, you know, what was my schedule for the week? And he said he did not have a schedule for me. I'll let you know that Monday after he told me that, I immediately called the New York State Labor Department and started getting unemployment benefits.
0: There you were, a single mom, no job, a baby to take care of. How are you feeling at that very moment?
1: It was scary. Um, My son, he was eight years old at the time. I still call him a baby, of course. He was eight years old at the time. And I sent him to Florida for vacation with his godfather. And he called me and he said, Mommy, are we going to have to move back in with grandma? And I told him, no, we are not. And I just stayed very strong. My family was very helpful in these trying times. And I, like I said, I always wanted to go back to school. And so I I signed up and went back to college. And at that time, I also began to attempt doing data entry at this huge company called Marsha McLennan.
0: You were balancing a full-time job school, as well as your um, responsibilities as a single mom, right?
1: Yes, I was. It was quite difficult. My family was great. They helped out wherever they could, picking up Najee from school, um, watching him while I studied for finals. And I remember one day I did not have school. And so I said, you know what? I'm not even going to do any schoolwork. I made dinner for my son and myself. And I remember it was Italian food. I made uh, spaghetti with uh, garlic bread and we sat at the table and he looked at me. He said, mommy, I wish this could be every day. And, you know, I explained to him, like, you know, I'm attending school so that I can get a better job and be able to provide for him. I received my bachelor's degree in human services in 2005. I can say it was a great experience just going up there. Of course, my son attended the graduation and it was wonderful.
0: And what was your first role in um civil service field
1: so after i got my degree and i held on to my job as a bookkeeper for a few years i actually went on to another company and was the accounts payable manager and I held on to that for about two years, but I felt it was time for me to put my degree to use, and I went on to work as a child protective specialist for the New York City Department of Children's Services for 12 years. It was a tumultuous 12 years, I have to say. If anyone know what a child protective specialist do, we essentially make sure children are safe, so I was charged with making sure that children within the five boroughs are safe in their homes. There were times that I wanted to quit because I worked long hours. I always tell people that my job is nine to whenever because when you go in and you hear you have a case, you have to go out. There are times you are out till two, three, four o'clock in the morning and you have to get up the next day to go to work for nine o'clock. And of course I thought about quitting, but that was not an option for me. I still had to take care of my son. At this point, I was he was finishing high school and Going into college, and it was the sacrifice was worth it because my son received his bachelor's from John Jay College. He is a school teacher, he received a master's in teaching, and now he's currently attending Columbia University for a second master's in education. How did you cope with the stress of that job? So my coping skills I mean people say I'm a party animal, I don't care. The way I coped with it is I'm I'm an outgoing person. I went out. I've been to D.C. for Carnival. I've been to Miami for Carnival. I coped by engaging in lots of extracurricular activities, spending time with my family. Um, I read a lot. So reading was also something that I did. And I always wanted to go back to school, too. So at this point, my son was he was he was teaching. Um the program he did, you you teach, but you work towards your master's. And so I was like, my son is getting his master's. I was like, why not go back to school and get your master's? And so I went back to school in 2016. I remember one of the reasons why I went back, why it felt like it was the perfect time was that I had fractured my foot. And so my job put me on what's called reasonable accommodation, where I was not going out into the field, going out to new cases. And so I said, you know what, let me take this opportunity and enroll in school. And so I went back to school in 2016. And in 2018, I received my master's in human resource management. And at the same time, my son also received his master's that same year.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So that must have been an extra special time in your life both of you uh, accomplishing um, such a
1: huge goal um, at the same time. Tell me a little bit about that. That feeling was, you know, it was, this is why I did this, you know, like all the sacrifices and, and things that I missed. um, I don't know how to put that in words. I mean, I'm so proud. I often, you know, as the minute I meet people, I immediately talk, talk about my son. Um, I don't know how you can put that in words, Carlos. Just even talking about it now, um, I'm just filled with a lot of pride. You got your bachelor's degree and then your
0: master's, and you were in a very stressful job. So after you received your
1: master's, did you decide to proactively look for a new job? Yes, I did. I stuck around my previous job for about two years And in 2019, I began sending my resume out. I had toyed with the idea of becoming a supervisor at child services, but because my degrees in in human resource management, it was not applicable to a supervisor. Plus the job was already very stressful. So I really was not feeling being a supervisor there. So my initial job that I got was with the Department of Corrections And I remember telling my family that I was going to be an investigator for the Department of Corrections. And they were like, well, what do you do? I said, well, basically, I go into the jails and I interview inmates in regards to a use of force, meaning I was investigating the officers. It's almost like internal affairs for the police officers. Um, That was a brief stint. I want to say it lasted about five months because, one, my family wasn't happy with it because they felt it was quite a quite dangerous job. And then the Department of Health reached out to me and they wanted me to be a complaint investigator at their agency. This is all within the civil service, this is all still city work. And so I accepted the job at the Department of Health.
0: And tell me a little bit more about your role as a complaint investigator.
1: So, as a complaint investigator, what I do is I investigate complaints that are made on daycare centers or home care providers those are home care providers or those who do child care in their home these places are licensed by the city and so they have to follow certain guidelines and so if someone makes a complaint on a daycare I'm the person who go out I interview you know the educational director I interview staff and I submit a report I issue summons also um so I'm quite happy with this job for now. I really like working for the Department of Health and I I can see myself going further there. I'm the new kid on the block. So, you know, I'm kind of taking my time, you know, feeling it out and I'm trying to hang around for a little while here at this agency. And what do you enjoy most about that job? I actually, my colleagues, I want to say that I have a, a, a decent set of colleagues. It's not every job that you go to where you find people that are easy to talk to and easy to work with. Everyone that I met has been very helpful in training me in October of 2019. And then during training, I was still training when COVID occurred. So basically I've been home most of the time, but now that more things are opening up, I'm going out more and, you know, getting more of a feel of the job.
0: As you reflect on your life and your experiences and your challenges, what advice would you give your younger self?
1: So, one of the things I've always thought about was if I had stayed in St. Kitts. And continued furthered my education there earlier, as opposed to later listening to my grandmother more. I remember I entered a competition I went into for um, this teen pageant. I actually won the pageant at my school. So I went into the island based competition and my chaperone, she told me I would have won that competition if I had only listened to her because I remember being defiant a few times and i placed second runner up and she was like if you had listened to me you would have won this competition looking back she's right i'm often you know i get a little defiant sometimes and so i wish i had listened more to people like her people like my grandmother um that that's the advice and even for the younger people like kind of listen to the elders they know what they're talking about
0: yes indeed i mean they've you know experienced it and And a lot of that guidance is so that, you know, the younger folks don't have to make the same mistakes, right? They can kind of walk a straighter path um, and not have to uh, deal with some of those same trials. Yes. What would you say um, is next for you in terms of personal or professional growth? Right
1: now, I have a mass ban that a friend and I started last year was our first year coming out in St Kitts we came out for the 2019 2020 carnival it's called Lux Carnival i am a co-owner and so of course with covid we'll be we'll be back next year in full effect i also have a catering business that i have with my sister where we we sell caribbean food we sell you know a lot of the local stuff that you won't get in New York easily, such as, you know, black pudding, goat water. And so we, I have that business also. In terms of going back to school, I've toyed with the idea again. I'm like, wow, I must like school. Um, But I haven't really made up my mind yet. So, you know, watch out. I may be going for my PhD.
0: Well, Carol, thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners. And to our audience, thanks for listening. To receive new episodes of this series directly in your inbox, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting our website at www.unstoppableyesyou.com. Don't forget to join the Unstoppable Yes You community on Facebook and Instagram.